Welcome to episode 45 of the UK Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. You're joined today as always by me, Simon Stanley, and my three usual co-hosts, Rich Setrone, Dave Hart, and Gavin Marshall. How are you doing, guys? Pretty good. Yeah, yeah good. You join us today. Um, we're expecting a guest on a little bit a little bit later on. Um, we're going to start by doing some news and whatnot, first of all, as we always do. But then we're going to be joined by uh, Yin's Nation Sports, who some of you might have seen uh, us interacting with on Twitter, going back and forth. So we'll get him on the show to discuss a few Steelers topics, go through his top 25 players and whatnot uh, a little bit later in the show. Um, but first of all, um, I, mean, I kind of wanted to derail us for a second just before we get properly started. Um and just kind of ask you a little bit like Dave's kebab corner, but at the top, are you guys managing to exercise during the lockdown at all? Because I started trying to exercise this week, and my entire body's in pain. Well, have, have you actually left your flat? Well, this in, is the thing. Since you've been locked down, barely at all, Dave. No, barely at all. Mm. Um, but but what I did was we bought this week. It was uh, have any of you seen that um, uh, Ring Fit Adventure thing for the Nintendo Switch? Where you get oh, like yeah. a, you get like a little ring and you do these exercises and stuff, and I've been doing that for four days, and my entire body feels like it's about to like, I don't burn away. What should I do with that ring? It's just your arms, right? Well, well you you'd think, feet. Dave. You'd think. So the idea what is, is this? is this like a hula hoop? Yeah, I have to show you later after the show, right? But basically, it's like this ring that you get, like a hula, smaller than a hula hoop, though. It wouldn't go around your body, but you hold it in front of you. You attach one of the little controllers to it, and uh, you kind of run along with it, and then you fight enemies by doing like sets of squats or planks or. Uh, all, like there's hundreds of different you know exercises that you might might do, and they like fight the enemies and it's like a real game but through exercise, and oh my god it's a nightmare. <laughs> so okay. have you had to like double your intake of fuel then? Well this is <laughs> this is the thing right. I've also been trying to like eat very little and, and reduce my portion sizes, and it's killing me. Like I'm nearly half asleep right now. You know I've, I've oh, had to man. I've had to start drinking just to stay awake. Wow. So I don't know. I was, well, I was hoping some well, of you might have all power to you. Well done. <laughs> I was hoping some of you might have exercise uh, advice. <laughs> Rich, looking at you. Leave the flat. <laughs> yeah, I reckon Rich is your man. <laughs> you, you know, um, yeah, I've been, I've been exercising uh, five, five days a week during a lockdown, and I do that anyway. But um, it's really interesting because I wanted to buy some more kettlebells because I've been doing a lot of kettlebell exercises recently. And you can't find them really on Amazon, like at least the ones that I get. I even tried a couple other ones and you just can't because so many people, I guess, have have, you know, because the gyms are closed. I've been buying up exercise equipment. It's tougher to find it now. It's crazy. The stuff that goes missing in lockdown, right? We had a shortage of flour for some reason. Flour was the thing that disappeared. Yeah, that, that was to do with making the their bread, isn't it? Yeah, no, apparently that was to do with the packaging. There's ma- mountains ah, of flour yeah. going off, but it's all to do. There was a shortage of packaging for whatever reason, so it wasn't. It wasn't like idiots. That wasn't like the same as the toilet roll. Everyone buying it up. It was. It was. It was an unrelated thing, or maybe it was related, but it, that's the issue. Interesting. Well, anyway, I'm sorry for throwing us off at the start of the show. Um, but speaking of shortages, uh, we have a shortage of news, um, Steelers related anyway. But but there is one thing I want to hit on specifically that we can't really ignore, which is the Mahomes contract that went down a couple of days ago. Um, 
So the headline, I suppose, is 503 million over 10 years, which is, you know, kind of insane to think about from an NFL perspective. I remember when, you know, Shanahan signed that six-year contract as the coach of the 49ers a few years ago, and that was kind of unheard of at the time. I tell you what, if you say it like this, half a billion. When you say it like that, you realise how big it is. Half a billion dollars the dude just got. Well, it's such a big contract that this has been reaching sort of non-NFL circles now. I've been seeing Top Sport talking about it, and, and a few people have messaged me being like, what's this, you know, what's this half a billion pound contract about, or dollar yeah. contract about? But... A friend of mine said, it's like, that's like, imagine doing a line of cocaine and the result, the uh, the effects never wear off. That's that's what signing on that thing's like. <laughs> well, it, it kind of upsets me, because it, it always makes me think, I saw like he earns $1.30 on the top, like, just on the toilet every minute, you know? Like, he doesn't have to do anything. He just sits there and earns $1.30 every minute. And that kind of upset me. But uh, talking about the contract itself, I mean, this isn't going to be a half a billion dollar contract, right, from what I can tell. I mean, there's a lot of incentives in there. And Mahomes is probably the best player in the NFL right now. But even that said, I I highly doubt he's going to go on a 10-year streak of winning the MVP in the Super Bowl every year. Well, you say that, but, I mean, it's it's on a three-year guarantee, right? So... If he's on the roster by a certain day, the next three years of that deal become guaranteed, which we've never seen before. Hmm. Usually, you have guaranteed periods, which which it gets smaller as the contract goes on. This thing, this thing's fully guaranteed. If you know, if he's on from seven years out, if he's on the roster, that the the remaining three are fully guaranteed, unless unless they restructure, which they probably will. Because yeah. I think there's one year where it, it goes way over. It's like sixty mil or something. He's on like twenty three percent of the cap. I think it's twenty twenty seven. That's a big year. They're going to have to do something about that because that's going to be they're going to be really struggling. Yeah. Well, with all these contracts, I mean, they'll they'll mess around with it probably multiple times over the course of the next decade, right? You know, we'll see this being changed and, and modified in three or four yeah. years anyway. Um, but but what I mean is that the the five hundred and three total that everyone's to- sort of toting around in the media, I, I don't think there's any way he actually gets that even if he plays the full ten years because there's a like for example he gets one point five million uh, for winning the MVP every year and that's included in the total. <laughs> so you know. This isn't necessarily what he's going to get, but it's still a kind of an insane, an insane contract just because of the guarantees involved. But I also think it's kind of a smart move for the Chiefs, right? I mean, listen, they've got the best, the best player in the NFL, a guy who's one of the most surefire long-term prospects in the NFL, uh, and their their cap hit has gone up by almost nothing next year. Uh, yeah. Well, this, does this contract this contract takes place in two seasons, right? Because he still has two years left on his original contract. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So it's basically okay. twelve years from from now is is the commitment. Okay. Well, I, I I think they have two they have two more seasons ahead of them to win a Super Bowl, and I think after that they're in trouble. That's just I I mean I know you have to keep the guy. He's amazing. He's, you know, but that's going to really be rough to build a great team around a quarterback that has so much of the salary cap. That's it, that just traditionally it just doesn't work, but I don't know we'll see. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the one thing in their favor is you know they they can plan around this and and they they've shown they can they can hit sort of quite a few of their draft picks for receiver weapons and and they've been quite savvy in the free agent market signing people like Kareem Hunt that maybe have taken you know lesser deal. Um, Oh, no, I got that wrong. Sorry, you drafted there, but you know they've they've drafted skilled players like uh, Pringle and stuff that have shown up, and, and uh, Watkins. That's who I'm thinking of. They've taken Watkins on a lower deal, yeah. and um, you know they they they're quite good at managing the cap in that sense. So I think I think they they'll they'll come out of this rosy. But as you say, there is a risk. I mean, think back to Aaron Rodgers when um when they beat the Steelers in that Super Bowl, and it looked like he was going to dominate for ten years. You know, from that point on, it's not happened. They've not been back. They've not won another one. So right. You know. Yeah. 
And, you know, Tyreek Hill's contract will be coming up soon. That's That might be a little tough for them. To, he's going to demand a ton of money. Yeah, that's going to be the one that's going to get away from them, I think. The, the thing with the Chiefs is, if I was the Chiefs, when we start, I mean, you're completely right, you need to go all in for the next two years, but then when you're looking to sort of restructure the way the team's built following that, I mean, I'd be looking at spending serious capital on the defence and then looking to get cheap bargains on the offence because you've got a guy with such an arm and such a talent um, that, you know, you've seen the, the offence that they can build. They, they can probably get these kind of guys on cheap deals and, and lower round draft picks and, and kind of skimp their way through on offence. Kind of like the Green Bay have tried to do unsuccessfully with Aaron Rodgers, right? But and build the defense on the back end but anyway that's a long yeah. way away right but uh, i suppose what i wanted to ask was what does this mean for the steelers in terms of quarterback contracts if we draft a quarterback now is this the money we're going to be expecting to pay if we get a mahomes level guy or, or even a guy that that we want to be a franchise guy in the next two drafts i, mean, I don't think so I, I i don't i mean maybe tip players and agents of successful players will will look at the three-year thing and and the longer deal again and look at try and get things like that but Mahomes is a special player like Rich said you know and it, it, this is this is a one and one of one of a kind deal I think because you know he won the Super Bowl in his second season I mean that, that's you know yeah this won't, it won't it won't set the standard I don't think no I, I think but, the... but like but like you, when you say about um it, you know when you said about uh in getting paid to be on the toilet it made me think of that what's that rhyme <laughs> Boss gets a dollar, I get a dime. What's that one? That's why I poop on company time. <laughs> but um, it was I saw someone put it in sort of a, a perspective, like a general word world perspective. I can't remember who it was. It's someone on Twitter was saying that what he'll earn in a year. What's the guy who owns Amazon? Jeff Bezos. Yeah, he earns that in like half an hour globally. So it's sort of that's a depressing I, I scale, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's quite a depressing scale, but I, still, I, I don't think it's going to set the standard for quarterbacks. I can't see it happening. Like I say, it's it's a it's an outlier. He's hugely talented guy. I can't see that being something that they sort of offer out to people. I, I think the proof is going to be in the Dak Prescott pudding. I think we'll see, <laughs> we'll see how that goes because um, the the Cowboys really should have signed Dak before this contract got signed. Mm. I don't know yeah. what what they're doing. I don't know. Do they even want that long term? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on in Jerry World, but they they should have signed that contract before this contract got signed if they wanted Dak Prescott long term. Yeah, I mean, and you look at those those yearly figures, and 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 we've been looking at Ben's yearly figures, thinking you know next year he's he's we're on a hook for forty one million if he if he's still around, still wants to play. That that seems in line with this. You know, that's whereas before at 41 million for this the, the year seemed absolutely ridiculous now it seems like oh okay well that's he's making Mahomes money so if he if he performs this season and gets to the super bowl or or whatever is can it can he can he actually feasibly say I'll pay one one more year on that money and they can't get out from under it yeah quite possibly but if some butts were candy and nuts right I don't know why this is turning yeah. to the rhyming podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of other, just other tidbits, um, the Ravens uh, did something kind of out on their own this week, which intrigued me. They, they kind of just sent out, they went sort of over and above the NFL's statements and decided just to send out like an email or, or a press release saying that uh, the very best case scenario this year would be um, 14,000 fans in stadiums and that season tickets were just going to be sort of fall laid until the next year. So season tickets are out of the window this year, obviously, because there would be too many to uh, to fill the stadium with. But, uh, you know, the Ravens basically going out on their own and saying, listen, the very best case scenario, 14,000 fans in the stands. 
Um, I think teams are going to follow suit on this pretty quick. Uh, I don't know, I just thought it was interesting that the Ravens went out and did this sort of ahead of the game. It shows kind of where uh, their mindset is and where teams' mindsets are right now in terms of... The, the season's coming up quick, right? I mean, Gav, before the podcast was talking, you were, uh, started, you were saying, uh, you know, considering going back to work in August and then you're sneaking up on the NFL season and it's, you know, it, it's less than two months away if we'd start playing preseason games. Yeah. Um, this has snuck up on them and it's going to be a real issue if they've not got a plan in place and... You know, I'm sure we'll hear something soon, but it's starting to worry me about <laughs> delaying the regular season, maybe, or you know, I don't know what's going on in the states, right? But it 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 doesn't seem to be trending in a positive direction. Didn't the Steelers say that uh, they can have fans in, but they'd have be mandated to wear masks in the stands? Yeah, I think once they re- once the Ravens released this, I think a few teams came out with with kind of a similar sentiment. Um, yeah, it, I, I just. I don't know how you're even going to get 14,000 people in the stadium the way things are right now. I could see it towards the end of the season if things start trending in a better direction, but I'm worried about the start of the season, you know? Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about what pre-season really and what, what's, what's it going to mean for for a lot of players and a lot of things. I think things are going to be very different. Um, I mean, we can, you know, if that's a whole other topic to get into, the implications of, of less of a pre-season. But, you know, the Steelers are in actually quite a good good position I mean they've got continuity you know we talked about it before they've got continuity where other teams don't and, yeah. and that puts them at a bit of an advantage I think um, that, that was the only real uh, news that I wanted to mention this week Gav I think you've got some uh, some PFF stuff you want to mention yeah it's just uh, my, my home field of uh, PFF I don't know maybe people saw I put it out on the, um, the Facebook group and also on Twitter that uh, PFF released two kind of bits of breakdown about the, the cornerback groups across the league based on their on their uh, data. And it was it was pretty encouraging for the Steelers. So um, it made me it made me think about uh, whether the Steelers have have actually found something. But I'll, I'll get into that in a minute. So uh, they had, based on their data, the, the NFL's best cornerback trios going into the twenty twenty season. So they had uh, the Patriots, number one of Gilmore, McCourty, and Jones. Then they had the 49ers, then the Packers, then the Ravens. And then at number five, the Steelers, Joe Hayden, Stephen Nelson, and Mike Hilton. So they put uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers earned the NFL's fifth best team coverage, team coverage grade of 90 a season ago. And Stephen Nelson at 80.3, seventh. Mike Hilton at 74.2, 18th. And Joe Hayden at 71.3, 25th all finished on PFF's list of the top 25 cornerbacks of the 2019 regular season. Nelson remains the season's highest-graded corner in single-man coverage, whereas patience at the line of scrimmage prevented wide receivers from gaining free release when looking to gain easy access downfield. So basically what they're saying is this this, this is a good group. I mean, we, we all knew it, but it, in terms of data and their analytics, it's a really good group. And then... They've also got... They've also released a, an article... I mean, it's up on PFF. Anyone can see it. It's interesting to read. Um... That the in terms of the top ten man coverage cornerbacks, as alluded to there, Stephen Nelson number six in the top ten league wide. So it goes uh, Stephon Gilmore, Marcus Peters, Tre'Davious White, Marlon Humphrey, Prince Amukamara, maybe a surprising name for a few people, and then Stephen Nelson um, in man coverage skills. I mean, we don't don't necessarily associate man coverage skills with the Steelers. So I think does does this show like a shift in, in philosophy that they the Steelers have been working towards for a while and finally they've got with the addition of Stephen Nelson and Minka Fitzpatrick to be fair, does this does this show that the, the now the, the the pieces are in place for for what Butler's been moving to since LeBeau of away from that heavy zone 
scheme. And, and, and the Steelers have now got a blueprint in, in what they're looking for uh, of, of the skill set, the measurables and, and the skill set of, of the actual players and also of the, the man versus zone uh, ratio and, and how that scheme should work out. And now, and now maybe because they've got this blueprint, now they can draft into this blueprint and have more success going forward, finding players to play to this new system. So I, I think it's really encouraging and um, yeah, interesting in what you guys think. Uh, yeah, I, I like that. I mean, I, what what a signing Steven Nelson's been, right? Um, I remember when we first signed him, I was a little bit, a little bit lackluster on it, you know. And I've been, pr- I, I mean, I didn't know a great deal about him in, in truth, coming from Kansas City, and the guy's been a revelation on that on that Absolutely. side. So, so actually, I just I read you the, what what they wrote about him. Yeah, yeah. quite cool. But uh, Nelson's 2019 season flew under the radar, but by many metrics, you look at it, it was one of the better seasons of any cornerback in the NFL. His man coverage grade is one such metric. The Steelers are another team that doesn't run a ton of man coverage, 23rd highest rate in the NFL last season, but Nelson played well when he was asked to man up. He allowed just 12 of the 28 balls thrown into coverage to be completed, of which just eight were first downs. Minka Fitzpatrick gets a lot of recognition for his impact on the secondary, and deservedly so, but Nelson had quite an impact himself in the first year. And that's it's great. We, we, we're all saying it. All, you know, I, I, we were every game saying Nelson had a great game. I think there was one game where his, his production dropped a little bit. But apart from that, really solid first season. Much better than anything that he did in, in mm. Kansas, I thought. I think this is where, and I know Rich, uh, you know, I'm sorry, cover your ears for a second. This is where PFF uh, provides some value for me um, uh, to a nationwide concept. Because people that, you know, follow other teams probably aren't following Stephen Nelson. You know, they, they aren't really up on him. He's a guy that we're we're talking about um, because Joe Hayden's the the centre guy, right? He's the centrepiece of that secondary. So I think this is where PFF provide a valuable resource in terms of you know the the what we're talking about. You know, people aren't going to say that in in other parts of the country. So uh, I'm glad that kind of stuff is being done. I don't think they nail everything, but I think that um, you know that's a good job by PFF recognizing that. Hey, yeah. a, a broken clock strike twice a day, right? <laughs> it's not that bad. It's not that bad. <laughs> Don't you start listening to Rich. <laughs> <laughs> I I thought it was a great article, um, and I thought they were spot on. I thought they were pretty fair in their assessment, and um, yeah, I, I, I completely agreed with it. I mean, I you know I don't like everything or agree with everything they come out with, but I'm not a hater at all. And, you know, if something's valid, I'll certainly point it out. And I thought it was. I thought it was real real accurate. Yeah, Rich, I, I've seen you with your burner Twitter account in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Okie doke. Um, uh, God, I can't think of anyone's name now. Gav, um, is, that, is that the only piece you've got for us today? Uh, yeah, that's, I think that's, that's good for now. That'll do us for now. Okay, right, well... With that said then, um, let's move on to our discussion with the Indonesia Sports. Okay, welcome back. So we're joined now uh, here on the UK Pittsburgh Steelers podcast by Nick from Yin's Nation Sports. How are you doing? How are you doing, Nick? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Um, I mean, we've been sort of interacting a little while on Twitter between, you know, the podcast and uh, Gav as well. Uh, and we've been seeing sort of a lot of stuff going back and forth with you um, ever since we started sort of following you. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your channel and, and, and what you kind of do over there and, and where people can find your stuff? Uh, I do pretty much. Did, during the off season, I did a lot of like draft reviews. I did a draft review on Chase Claypool and a lot of prospects that I thought the Steelers could have drafted. Turns out we drafted Chase Claypool, which is on my YouTube, Yen's Nation Sport. Twitter, I do a lot of polls 
on in in Stiller's general talk, topics, you know, what I think are going to be big stories coming in to this season. One poll I got running right now is who I think who do you think the best wide receiving core in the AFC North is right now? And on Twitter, basically a lot of trolling back and forth with Cleveland Brown fans and we uh, <laughs> up the rivalry a little bit back and forth on there. But, uh, yeah, pretty much just Steelers talk, Pittsburgh sports talk, basically for the most part. Every once in a while, throw in some politics and uh, some jokes here and there, some satirical jokes. But, yeah, mostly Pittsburgh sports stuff. I'm a diehard Pittsburgh fan. I was listening to your podcast about the top 25 players. Uh, I know you're – Buddy Gavin was it was interested in getting my list, so you know I wrote out a list for you guys, and you know I'm ready to chop it up about the Pittsburgh Steelers. You guys sound like some uh, diehard Pittsburgh Steelers fans. I know Steelers fans are all over the world, not just Pittsburgh. I'm from the Western Pennsylvania area. I grew up in what's basically considered the Rust Belt in America, which was basically the heart of the steel industry in Pittsburgh, the Mon Valley area, Manesson. Charleroi, Denora, Allentown. I grew up around all in, in that area in the Pittsburgh metropolitan area. That's awesome. So. Man. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, we're Steelers fans with funny accents, right? That's that's how we put it. And then, you know, we've got Rich, who's who's uh, you know from Pittsburgh, but you know he's he's disappeared across the coast and abandoned his brothers over there. So, uh, <laughs> so he's over on the west coast. So it's nice to have like a real self-proclaimed Yinzer on the show, you know. Yep, that's Jens Nation Sport. That's me, man. We got our we got our own Pittsburgh geese. We got our own little accent too. That, uh, <laughs> you know, so hey, I asked quite a few people this. What what, what do you think it means to be a Yinza? Just uh, someone who thinks Pittsburgh is going to the Super Bowl every year. That's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great answer, man. <laughs> Um, you mentioned uh, when you when you were talking, then you mentioned about um, sort of trolling Cleveland fans. What is it about Cleveland? Because you know, from our perspective, we always see the Ravens as our main rival, right? But you know, if if I saw your Twitter account, I'd assume the Cleve the, the Browns were the uh, the main rival. What, what's with the hate on Cleveland, man? Well, I mean, it all started last year. Basically, I put out a tweet that I said the Cleveland Browns hype is not for real. They're going to go eight and eight at best. Basically, just all these Cleveland Browns fans started trolling my page, retweeting my comments, this and that, this and that, and just been trolling my page. So, I mean, it's kind of good marketing strategy to go back and forth with them. I mean, they just it's so easy to get under their skin, and, and I'll just go – we just go back and forth. There's just one dude, he made like a roast video on me. He's like a big, uh, prominent Cleveland Browns uh, video maker. And we've been going back and forth a little bit, and uh, they just they just hate Pittsburgh. There's literally I've, I made a video on my YouTube Baker Bust Mayfield, and I tried <laughs> to join a Cleveland Browns Facebook group to post that video. And literally the two questions to join that the Facebook group is do Pittsburgh do Pittsburgh people have no teeth, and do Pittsburgh fans marry their cousins? I mean Cleveland <laughs> hates Pittsburgh with like a fiery passion, so kind of play into it. <laughs> do you reckon most of the people that follow you are actually in Cleveland? What's that? Yeah, there's there's some there's some Cleveland people that follow me, and mostly Pittsburgh people though. But there are some Cleveland people that uh, follow me on there. So yeah, because it seems like you do do seem to get in quite a lot of back, back and forth with them for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's fair to see after what happened last year, right? I mean, you know, we never really 
consider Cleveland that big of a an issue, you know? Like, it reminds me of when I was a kid, right? So, obviously, we've got, you know, soccer over here, right? And when I was a kid, I grew up a, a fan of a team called Bolton Wanderers. Uh, and Bolton Wanderers are right next to a team you might have heard of called Manchester United. Uh, and yeah, when I, yeah, when I was a kid, I used to think that the Manchester United fans hated us because we were right next to them. Uh, but as I grew up, I realised actually they didn't think about us at all. Um, and I think that's kind of what it's like with Cleveland and the Steelers, right? Because um, you know Steelers fans in the past haven't really thought about Cleveland at all, um, and it seems like you're you're changing the tone on that after what happened last year. Uh, but I'm on board yeah. for it, man. Yeah, I mean it's a rivalry. It's it's close. I mean Cleveland and Pittsburgh. That's like a two two hour, two and a half hour ride. You know what I mean? So like back in the day, like I'm 30 right now. So like back in the day, that they were actually half decent back in the day and was like a competition. But like me, you're right. I personally don't really think I like hate probably more of the Patriots and the Ravens obviously than the Cleveland Browns because they're basically like an afterthought. Oh and 16, one and 15. I mean. Come on, it's Cleveland. Their rivers <laughs> used to catch on fire. I mean, they're not there. I mean, everybody makes fun of Cleveland. Even Yakov Smirnov makes fun of Cleveland. So I mean, they're they're, but you know, their fans are a passionate fan base. I got to give their fans credit after going through all that. Like I'm a Pirates fan. The Pirates are terrible too, but I'm still a diehard fan of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And you, got, I got to give Cleveland fans credit for just being that passionate about their team. You might, I mean, they're just a passionate fan base. So you know. If we can get into a little bit of banner back and forth, I'm all good. I'm all good for a little bit of sports trash talk. There ain't nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Awesome. Yeah, no, I enjoy it. Sorry, Rich. No, I was just going to say, you figure you have to be really creative and have an imagination to tr- for it to be a Cleveland fan and a troll of Pittsburgh Steelers fan because they just have – I mean, they've had no success basically. And, and the thing about it is they could have. You know, because the, the Ravens are basically the Cleveland Browns. I mean, you know, not too long after they left, they won a Super Bowl. So they got they got just kicked in the face up and down. And, you know, I got to ha- give them credit, though. They're good fans. But, you know, losing your team like that and then that team ends up winning a Super Bowl. And then, you know, it, it just it's had a, they've had a tough history in, in recent years. But, uh, yeah, they're I mean, I don't know how Cleveland brand control. Pittsburgh Steelers fan. They have no. They have no ammunition. There's like nothing there. I can yeah. see why a lot of UK fans get sort of latched onto the Browns because it's a bit of a. I don't know if you can say it for all British people, but they seem to like the underdog. Yeah, there's a bit of an underdog spirit to a lot of British people, so they sort of latch onto that sort of side of it. But I don't know. It, maybe it's it, that's a step too far for me. Yeah, they're all either bandwagon Patriot fans or underdog Browns fans, right? Yeah, that's the only option. I'm I'm not staying up until midnight to watch a team guarantee lose every week. It, it just doesn't feel it's not something I can get on board with. <laughs> and their outfits aren't that great either. They're pretty pretty eyesore, really, aren't they? I mean, let's face it. Hey, they've made them a bit better now. Now they're taking the word Browns off the pants, right? It's a yeah, bit but better. a helmet logo's a helmet. I mean, that tells you what you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Nick, we got to get on to kind of what you think of the Steelers' prospects um, this year, if, if indeed there is a season. Um, I feel like I've seen you go back and forth a little bit on, on whether you think... I mean, I think I saw you say the Steelers were going to get under 10 wins the other day, but then I've also seen you say the Steelers are going to make the Super Bowl. So wh- where are you falling on this? Wh- where do you think the Steelers are going to go this year? Do you think Ben is the right way to take us to a Super Bowl? See, Ben, I think we overpaid Big Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, I, I'm kind of a critic of Big Ben, so even a lot of Pittsburgh fans get me on this. I'm just not so sold 
Like, there's reports that come out in the media in Pittsburgh is basically trying to say that Ben is going to be better than ever coming off elbow surgery at 38. I'm just not so sold on that. He's due, like, he he restructured his contract. He was going to get, like, $33 million, $34 million, whatever it was this season. He restructured, so he's getting, like, 23 this year. And then it's going to kick the cap down the road to 41 million. And we have a lot of player, big name players coming up on contract. Juju Smith-Schuster, obviously. Bud Dupree's on the franchise tag. Andre Villanueva. Uh, Cam Hayward, who's the captain of the defense. And I think the like one of the faces of the franchise. He does a lot of charity work and different things in the Pittsburgh area. So I think Cam Hayward is a great face and leader to this organization whose contract's up. I think above all those guys that I mentioned, Juju, James Conner, Bud Dupree, uh, Andre Villanueva, I think Cam Hayward is probably the most important guy to sign, and he's going to demand a lot of money. These are big names, especially if Juju comes out and has a big year, Bud Dupree comes out and has a big year. The Steelers are only projected to have like $28 million in cap space coming up in the next season. So, you know, say if Bud Dupree gets, he's getting six, like 16 million on a franchise tag, and say Cam Hayward gets like 12, 13 million. And Juju, he's going to get at least 12, 13, 14 million, something around there. So it's just, we're going to be losing talent on this team. And to me, a guy that's 38 on the tail end of his career, it's more important to add these guys, like assign these guys, like a Juju, like a, like a Bud that have a lot more left in the tank, in my opinion. Ben maybe has maybe has one or two good years left. That's maybe if he's better than ever coming off elbow surgery. It's my opinion. I mean, he could be. I'm just not so sold on it. Yeah, and, and TJ Watt as well, right? I mean, so so there's yeah, a lot well, of... He, he signed his fifth-year option, yeah. but after that, you know, he's going to be demanding a lot yeah. of money. I bet you he'll get around... In the, in the range of probably 19 to 20 million dollars TJ what these outside linebackers get buku bucks money. Next, yeah, so he's been, out of all of them he's the one right he's, he's, he's the, the big one. one he's the tone setter on the D I think you know so who's that now yeah TJ what is the tone setter right yeah. he's the he's yeah. the one yeah, he's, he's, the, he's the, the leader of the defense he's going to be and you don't, you don't get pass rushers with that skill set they don't come out of the draft that often and you don't hit on them so yeah, you're absolutely right. It's 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 tough. I I I completely agree. I, I think it's a big. It completely depends how how Ben pays this this year. You know, I mean, if obviously if he, if he's done, then he's quite an easy cut, I think, and we move on into a kind of quarterback abyss maybe with Mason and a, a, a you know another a trade for someone else or and and a draft prospect. But if if he's good, then this it's it's going to be tough. It's big decisions to make, like you say, unless unless he does do a team friendly deal, which is you know would be the best solution. Yeah, this is this is why I say next year their first round pick is going to be a quarterback. Mm. We have a good class coming out, and I, I could see it happening. Mm. Could be. I think they want to ride it out. I think they want to ride out his contract, if anything, and then just let Mason hopefully develop into the court the, the backup quarterback that they drafted him for because he was a good prospect. Everybody said he was like a top tier quarterback. He was he was like up in the conversation during that draft with like the Baker Mayfields, the Josh Allen's, the Sam Darnold's. So I think Mason he had a rough go of it, but James Conner was injured a lot last year. Juju Smith Schuster was injured a lot last year. The Moncrief still didn't work out. He was dropping passes like crazy. The wide receiving core was young. So I feel you know Mason they want to see if he can develop, and then once Ben does actually hang it up after. 
after this contract, they're going to ride out this two-year contract, in my opinion, with Ben, the $23 million, then the $41 million. And then once that contract's off the books, obviously that's when T.J. Watt's contract's going to be up, so they're going to have to re-sign T.J. Watt. And then maybe they can go out and sign a veteran quarterback for a lot cheaper, a journeyman quarterback, if Mason doesn't pan out. And then maybe draft a quarterback. But I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback next year because, like I said, all those people are coming up on contract. So in my opinion, we're going to if one of these two guys are going to be gone, Dupree or Juju, and Ed Bochette and Mark Madden basically wrote articles. They're columnists in Pittsburgh. Mark Madden had a, has a radio show in Pittsburgh. I don't know if you ever heard of Mark Madden. Red Bochette. We have. But <laughs> Ed Bochette basically wrote that no matter what happens, good, good, bad, mediocre, Juju Smith-Schuster's gone from the Pittsburgh Steelers, and same with Mark Madden. He said the same thing, in which I think that's why we drafted Chase Claypool in the second round, because this guy has all the intangibles, I think, to be a number one receiver in a league. It's just, it just depends if he can pan out. You know, but physically, athletically, I think he probably is our best receiver, but you know he has to catch up with the mental aspect of the game, getting used to the speed of the game. Because I seen an interview with Deontay Johnson. Basically, he said the hardest thing for him was catching up to the speed of the game. So I think you know that's and especially with no off season, short and off season with the COVID nineteen, it might you know that might damper chase claypool's progress a little bit and you know catching up with the speed of the game getting reps with the offense getting reps with with ben and learning the playbook so yeah i think you're I think right i think it's going to right. affect league wide rookies it's going to be hard transition it's going to it's going to affect mason as well because he's not going to get much of a preseason. you know this was going to be four games where he could start you know three three and a half and and really kind of put to bed last season and, and show that he's progressing. He's working on, you know, some of his anticipation, some of his mechanics. He's not going to get that. that. That's another worry, like you say. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So we don't know. That's the thing. I don't, we don't know with Mason. I'm not ready to write Mason off after his, his second year in the league because Terry Bradshaw won four Super Bowls. In his rookie season, he was terrible. And then he went on to win four Super Bowls. And there's great Hall of Fame quarterbacks who didn't even start their second year in the league and, you know, went on to be great quarterbacks and won Super Bowls. So, you know, it takes time for a quarterback to get good and, and, and learn the playbook and catch up with the speed and go through your progressions and different that. But, you know, Mason, he did run a pro-style offense for Oklahoma State. The Big 12 is a very offensive-minded conference in college football. So, I mean, he had a, he, he ran a pro-style offense. So I'm going to – I'm, I'm – you know, I'm undecided. I think he can still develop into a good quarterback. And the fact that he's so cheap, he's on the cheap, it's really, you know what I mean? It's just, you just wait it out. He's so cheap, you just wait and see. And if it doesn't, just let his contract run out and then just let him go and then move on from there. Yeah, I mean, they, they proved they can win games with him, right? I mean, I know yeah, he got benched. Five and games. Yeah, exactly. So uh, you, they'd be crazy to get rid of him. Yeah, you're right. I just want to ask you, so you, you sound like you're pretty high on Claypool. Oh, yeah, I think, I mean, athletically, the dude was like, he's like 235 pounds. He had a, he ran a fast 40 times, got a great verticals, got a good bench rep. So athletically, yeah, I think I like those type of receivers. Those are the type of receivers that's going to demand double coverage down the field because he's just taller than any, basically any average cornerback in the league's height. You know, they might be 6'1", 6'2", at the tallest, the cornerback in the NFL. 
So even if he might not be the fastest wide receiver, he can just kind of box him out and just jump up and get it and, and take the top off a of defense, which I think is going to help open up the middle of the field for Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, Ebron, and everybody else. So Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, we, we were all really excited about the uh, the, the, the pick. The, the only issue is right, we've seen it before where big, big receivers that can't separate like uh, – yeah, I immediately think of Kelvin Benjamin. He's, you know, th- th- he's in that yeah. mold. So as long as he he gets that that time to learn some of the more kind of finer points of NFL route running and and kind of can actually separate. As long as he can get that, then I think you're right. I think he could be a number one. That's that's the key. I think. I agree. I can think of a Steelers wide receiver that we drafted, and it was like the third or fourth round. It was years ago. Lima Swede. He was like a big tall guy that Ben wanted, and he tended up being pretty much a bust. So. It doesn't always work out, but you know, sometimes it does. Like they they were basically comparing him to Calvin Johnson for the Detroit Lions. I don't know if I'll go that far, but they were basically saying his combine statistics were like a lot similar to Calvin Johnson. So, I mean, he's yeah, a I physical mean, if, specimen. That's if he could know, have like a, a rookie season like Martavis Bryant did, where he, he comes on strong late at the end and is is a downfield threat, but also a red zone threat as well. That kind of dual role that 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 would be perfect, right? Exactly. We didn't. I think we finished too many times with three, and not enough, not enough with six this season. That was a that was a big problem. I think Ebron definitely can help out in the red zone too. But that and that's like another thing. Like I said, he ta- he can open up the middle of the field because we weren't able to stretch the field. They were just covering the middle of the field. They were stacking the box. We really had no receivers. I think that's what our receiving core really lacked. Like Johnson's good, but he's like five ten, five eleven. You know what I mean? Juju's our tallest receiver at six two, so we don't really have that big, tall, like receiver. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of like that. I kind of, you I know, think, he I kind think, of. I do, I do think a lot of that, the the lack of production over the middle, was also a little bit on Mason as well, because his his anticipation, he, like you say about the speed of the game, he 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 wasn't seeing windows before they opened, you know, so he wasn't he wasn't reading that section of the field. And, uh, I, and and when he did throw there, it was often behind the receiver or it was a pull pass, like a ground ball or whatever. So, you know, I mean, hopefully we progress and he, he develops that. But I think with Ben back in the offense as well, I think we'll see more more attack going over the middle, more passes being thrown that way in court and, and production from there as well. I think that with that's exactly what I get, what I kind of want to get onto. With Ben back um, and then you've got Ebron introduced to this offense and maybe Claypool as well, um, with that whole field, if you will, that, that centre of the field issue that we talked about all last season, Gav. Um, Nick, what, what do you think of the Steelers' prospects just for just for 2020? Um, are you confident? How are you feeling about this year? I think there's a lot of tough games. Like, I put a 9-7. and seven. Well, I put that poll out. You said you've seen that poll. Yeah. That's the under-over. That's the under-over on the Pittsburgh Steelers' win-loss percentage. I think it's nine wins. So I think we can get there. But there are some tough games. There's a lot of toss-up games, like the Buffalo Bills, who right now are – these are just teams, I'm telling you, that are ranked ahead of us in the ESPN power rankings that we play. The Buffalo Bills are ranked ahead of us, Tennessee Titans, Philadelphia Eagles, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, and those are, just, those are just some tough games right there. Dallas Cowboys is another team. So those are, you know, that's like seven losses right there, teams that are ranked ahead of us in the power rankings. Do I think we can beat Philadelphia? Yeah, but I think, if anything, we're probably going to be favored by like maybe a point and a half, two points. It's not like we're going to be huge favorites in that game, even if we are favorites. We're playing Dallas in Dallas, so I think we'll probably be a three and a half point underdog. I think each time we play the Ravens, we'll probably be underdogs. 
Buffalo will probably be an underdog to Buffalo. The Titans will probably be an underdog to the Titans, given, you know, how the season's going. And the Browns, as much as I don't like the Browns and I troll the Browns fans, I think their team is definitely, they added some talent in the offseason. They added that tight end from Atlanta. I can't remember his name right now. Yeah, so he's a solid tight end. And they added um, the the tackle from the Titans, considered one of the, the, the better Titans. And they had Jedrick Wills or something like that. His name is. He was a top pro, pro, offensive lineman prospect in the draft. So they addressed their offensive line. They added some talent. And there's rumors going around that they might sign Jadavion Clowney. They have like $46 million in cap space. So if any team can go out there and give a blockbuster deal to Jadavion Clowney, Cleveland Browns are the team that got the money to do it. So if they got Miles Garrett coming back on the, on the one side and Jadavion Clowney on the other side rushing the quarterback – I mean, with that offense, they could be, they <laughs> that, could be a yeah, good team. That's pretty scary. And, and, and Mayfield's bound to bounce back, right? He, he had a down season last year. You know, I, I don't think he's the best quarterback in the world, but I think he's better than what, what he showed last year. And that was due to the situation with the O-line. And, and he, he started, him and him and uh, Beckham went, went on the same page. Maybe they'll have better chemistry as well this year. So they, they I hate to say it, but they, they could be a bit better, I think, this season. You're right. <clears throat> so we got some tough games. I mean, I think we can go nine and seven, ten and six, but I mean, like I said, there's just some toss-up games. It could go, you go either way, man. This season, and it, a lot of it basically is this season to me is all riding on Big Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, is he the same? Is he better than ever? Like I said, I'm not so sold on it. I mean, I hope he proves me wrong. People say I'm not a real Stiller fan for saying this. <laughs> I'm just 38 years old. Coming off elbow surgery, I'm not so sold that he's going to be better than ever. And the same Big Ben that we all know and love that used to throw defensive linemen off his back, roll out, and throw strike for six. I mean, he's just not doing that type of stuff no more. Father time gets everybody, sadly. Man, I feel like you're speaking straight to my insecurities, dude, because, you know, (laughs) this is kind of what I've been saying, right? It all lies on Ben and... I've been I've been kind of quietly confident because you know Ben went down so early last season and you know it wasn't an age-related injury really you know it was an unfortunate hit to the elbow and it was one of those things and I've kind of been feeling like Ben's going to come back and just surge us all the way to a to a playoff run um, but I mean you're right at the end of the day I mean a 38 year old coming off elbow surgery it's going to be you know a, a coin toss as to whether he's effective and uh, if he's not I got to be honest I'm not I'm not looking forward to the prospects of Mason Rudolph manning this offense for another season. Um, it, what I wanted to ask you as well, Nick, is there any um, is there any guys on this team? I mean, it sounds like you you know the Steelers um, you know really well. Is there any guys on this team that you think maybe uh, people aren't keyed into yet that are maybe uh, a little bit under the radar? I mean, we've got a few guys that that maybe we can talk about in a minute. But is there anyone you'd like to bring up on the Steelers uh, roster that you think could be an impact player this season? Well, I guess for my my top twenty five list, I put Devin Bush number one on my top twenty five list. Okay, feel... well let's get into that. Let's get into this. So so yeah, so starting from the top, um, sorry, carry on. So Devin Bush at number one. Basically, because I feel we gave up a lot of draft capital when we moved up to get Devin Bush. Mark Barron was brought in to be that coverage special specialist linebacker. So now he's going to have to step up in that role. He had a great rookie season. We gave up, we paid, you know, we paid draft capital for this dude. We went up and moved up to get to this dude. So this dude's got to be an all pro linebacker to me. That's how this is the expectations. The standard is a standard for Devin Bush. The expectations is he's got to be an elite inside middle linebacker. 
So whether he's going to have to step up in these coverage roles, which I think out of anybody on a defense, people might call me crazy. I know I put out polls. Who do you think has the best chance to win defensive player of the year on the Pittsburgh Steelers? I think I did a video of that on my YouTube channel, Inns Nation Sport. Um, who do I think you know is going to have the best chance to win defensive player of the year? I think Devin Bush, because he had over 100 tackles last year. Now that he's going to be getting more reps with the defense, the inside linebacker is basically the quarterback on the defense. So I think, you know, he's going to be in that coverage role to where I think he's still going to be able to rack up the 100 tackles this season and then possibly in that coverage role now, a more expanded role in coverage, he could possibly get three, four, you know, maybe five picks. Five picks is going a little bit too far. Maybe two, three, four, though, something in that range. And a couple sacks. You know, Devin Bush might put himself in the conversation for defensive uh, player of the year this year. Honestly, I think, you know, I got to have really high expectations for Devin Bush. I, he needs to be an all-pro linebacker, at least a pro bowl linebacker with the type of money that we spent for him and the, the way we moved up to get him. He's got to be he's got to be elite. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think what what he was struggling with last year was that he was he was he was too he's learning, right? He's learning the speed of the the, the offenses, like what we we're talking about before. He's he's dealing with that process in time. The, the whole thing is happening a lot quicker than he's used to. So he's actually reacting like a step late to a lot of things, but getting there on time. So still making the sideline to sideline plays because of his his pace, his speed. So I think now he's had a whole year to to reevaluate himself, watch tape on himself, watch tape on other offenses. He's gonna he's not gonna be having that process in time. So he's gonna be getting there early this year. So I think you're right. I think he's gonna be a massive step up in production. I think I think that's not being talked about at all, and I think it's gonna be huge. I love Devin Bush. I, I completely agree with you. Um, but do you think he's more important to the Steelers' success for for this season than Ben Roethlisberger is? Well, I had Ben at number two, so I mean that's a tough one. I, I mean that's kind of a little controversial with Devin Bush, but I think he's the line, but he's the quarterback on the defense. And the main thing, because I, I was listening to your guys' podcast and talking basically about what if somebody goes down. Now, if Devin Bush goes down, the inside linebacker position, I think starting linebackers with TJ Devin Bush and and Bud, I think in the NFL we might have top five, if not top three linebacking core in the NFL. But say if a Devin Bush goes down, I think that Vince Williams, he is not good in coverage whatsoever. That's why we went out and gave Mark Barron $8 million, who really wasn't that great for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, he had some moments here and there, but then he had some moments where he got exposed to in coverage, and that was supposed to be his specialty. So if he go, Devin Bush goes down, the depth at inside the inside linebacker position is just not looking good for the Pittsburgh Steelers, in my opinion. So if somebody like Devin Bush gets hurt, I think that's just a major, major piece to this defense that goes down. And I don't think we have a replacement to fill those shoes at all. Yeah, that, that would be a disaster, really, because you've got UG3. I mean, who else is there? Vince Williams, like you say, can't do the role. You have to be looking for someone to come in, maybe. I mean... Yeah, we have be. that dude we drafted, Ulysses Gilbert or something yeah. like that. So yeah, I, I yeah. mean, but I don't like, really without, know what to expect from him. Yeah, and without a preseason, you know, he needs that. Yeah, and Vince is getting old too. I mean, he's been good earlier in his prime at stopping a run and whatnot, but he's getting up there in age too. So I mean, you know, that's a big role for the Steelers, in my opinion. I'm just wondering what what was your sort of perspective? on the whole top 25 question that was because like the four of us had entirely different sort of perspectives well i mean i was just kind of listening to your, 
I was kind of listening to you. You basically were saying like somebody said, I don't know which one of you guys said, you know, if, the, if an injury happens, you know, I kind of took that into consideration and, um, you know, money wise, what these people's salary caps, salary cap, basically, and how much money these people are getting. Some of these highest paid players on the team. And I have Minka Fitzpatrick at number three on my list because we gave up a first round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick. He's not getting a ton of money. But we gave up a first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick. So he's another guy that we're expecting to be, you know, a great player. You give up a first-round draft pick, that could be that could have been the quarterback of the future. That's what everybody said last season. Oh, why are the Steelers trading their first-round draft pick? They're only going to win five or six games this year anyway. They're giving up their quarterback of the future, da-da-da. So Minka's – he's got to live up to that hype. He's got to live up to that first-round draft pick, you know, potential and you know and that's another position if it's safety say if Minka Fitzpatrick gets hurt who do we got behind Minka Fitzpatrick that's you know what I mean that's another where we lack depth at if if an injury happens I think this is a safety position yep yep I mean so far he's really similar to mine except I had Ben first Minka second and I think had Bush third or fourth but completely agree we're screwed It's, it's safety if Minka gets hurt yeah. I mean, he, yeah. the difference he made is the first time he started for us. I mean, completely turned the defense around. Not that it was horrible, but he was that that extra piece that made such a difference. Well, he's a ball hawker. He's getting to say he's getting them interceptions. I mean, that one he picked it off and took it to the house. So I mean, that's just a game changer. That's taking six. That's taking their offense off the field and just your offense don't even have to go out there and score. That's six points just like that. That's that's game changer. Turnovers change the game completely. So, yeah, Mink is, Mink is a big part of this team. This whole defense, to me, yeah, that's another thing. This whole defense, to me, is coming back and being the same. Is, I mean, that's the whole reason we won eight games last year. So, I mean, a lot of I have a lot of defensive players high on my list. So, so run us through, through a few of your uh, your next picks. So you got the first three. So so take us through to the next, uh, you know, to number ten, and just talk us through some of those uh, sort of key players on there as well. Do you want me to just like go through the top ten, or do you want me to go player by player and explain why I have them there? Yeah, we'll go player by player. I mean, you don't have to t- spend too long on each one, but just sort of uh, a, a quick sort of uh, sentence or, or thought on why each put player is there, and feel free to go as deep as you wish on any in- individual guy. All right, I got to it at number four. Because, I mean, I think he's one of the highest paid players on the defense. He, it seems like he's good when he's in the game, but he's always hurt. So we lost Hargrave in the offseason. We added some depth at the defensive line. But Tuitt's getting the big bucks. So I want to see him on the field. I want to see him produce. I want to see him in 16 games to actually, you know, as much as T.J. Watt is good, as much as Bud Dupree is good, in a 3-4 defense, those guys don't really put up those sexy stats like a Cam Hayward and a Stephon Tuitt. Those are the guys that are in the trenches filling up blocks. So T.J. Watt, so Bud Dupree, so Devin Bush can, you know, that opens up holes for them to stop the running back in the backfield and get after the quarterback. So I think 3-4 defensive ends are kind of underrated, you know, main, mainstream-wise because they don't put up the sexy stats, but they're really in there doing the dirty work in the trenches. So I got two it at four. Watt, obviously, at number five because, you know, he's pretty much considered the best player on the defense. And, you know, he's the tone setter getting after the quarterback and putting pressure on the quarterback. We led the league in sacks last year, so we're going to have to do that again. So that's why I have Bud Dupree at number six. He got that big franchise tag. 
That was his first year really breaking out. So he's getting paid the big money, $16.5 million or whatever his franchise tag amounts to. I'm not exactly sure on the number. It's around that figure, though. So Bud Dupree, I think if we want to have success, because that's another position, outside linebacker. If an outside linebacker gets hurt, I don't really know who's going to step up in that outside linebacker role and fill those shoes of Bud Dupree and TJ Watt. So Bud Dupree is getting the big bucks. He wants to get his contract. He wants to make the big bucks. So you better come out and have a double-digit sack. Season. Yeah, I saw you uh, floating something about the idea of trading him if if like Skipper or Ola or Highsmith steps up. Uh, I mean, you think about I that. In, I mean, I was in the off season. That was just kind of. Right. I seen a lot of people doing that. That lot. That seems like a trend to do tag and trade people. There's a lot of teams that tagged and traded outside linebackers, but I mean that's not what they're going to do. Obviously, they brought him here. They kept him here. So I'm expecting him to have a big season. And then if worse, if he has that, that's what I'm saying. I like I was brought up the point about Mark Madden and Ed Bochette saying no matter what happens, Juju Smith-Schuster is gone. And we have that franchise tag. We could possibly franchise tag Juju Smith-Schuster. Say they both have a big season, which, I, which I'm projecting they will both have solid seasons. I would rather put a franchise tag. If I'm going to exercise that franchise tag on anybody, I would exercise it on Dupree over Juju. Right. Has has has, uh, has Bud signed his tag yet? Yeah, he signed. Yeah, he's he's did good he, to go. We're good to go with he, Bud Dupree. He signed it. Okay, I didn't think he had yet. Yeah. Okay. Bud Bud is Bud. He'll be there. And then uh, who else do I have? Yeah, he go next. My computer just uh, died. Well, not died, but uh, went into sleep. <laughs> Don't worry, we're, we're so akin had, to technical I had, difficulties. Uh, I had James yeah. call. I had Hayden at seventh. I had Hayden at seventh because. He's obviously our best cornerback, and he's getting paid big bucks too. So, obviously, Joe Hayden's going to have to step up. Eight, I have James Conner because you need to have some offense. Our offense was one of the worst in the league last year. Our run game was one of the worst in the league last year. So, you know, I'm, I hope James Conner can step up and have a big season. Juju Smith-Schuster, the big question mark for Juju, I have at nine, was a big question mark. Um is he going to basically be that number one wide receiver? Can he take on those number one wide receiving, you know, coverages from the cornerbacks? And, you know, he's yet to prove that to me, in my opinion. So I have him at nine. Ten, I have Andre Villanueva because Big Ben, the key, I have Big Ben at two. The key to this offense is Big Ben, and Big Ben's best friend is Andre Villanueva. He's the guy protecting his blind side, so he's got to protect Big Ben. I have him, Andre, at ten or Alejandro Villanueva, whatever his name is. Um, Cam Hayward, I have at 11. Obviously, the captain of the defense. I think he's going to have to be have a big season. I have Pouncey at 12. Obviously, Pouncey's going to have to block, open up the holes in the run games, been a veteran for the team, a pro bowler. And now, see, this is interesting because I heard you guys talking a lot about the tight end. Who do you guys think? Is my question to you. Who do you guys think is going to start be the starting tight end? Because I have Ebron at 13 and McDonald at 14. I was kind of – I was like not so sure on this because I'm not really so sure who's going to be the starting tight end for the Pittsburgh Steelers, honestly, between those yeah, two. Yeah, it's a tough one. I think we've given a full preseason. If, if Ebron proves he's fit and, and knows the playbook, I think I think he becomes the number one. Don't you? I, th- I think Vince – Vance – I don't know about Vance. He's, he, does, he does what he does very well and he's kind of a cult figure, but – how useful he is in terms of, of scheming up in the red zone. He's not that kind of threat, is he? He's not the same. He's not as useful. Know. 
I just don't know. I haven't seen nothing from him. We gave him a big contract, and it's, he just with that. Well, he had that one big play against. I forget who it was. He stiffed armed that dude, and then he, he took it to the house. So other than that, I haven't seen much from from McDonald. Yeah. So I just don't know. They both have an injury. They both yeah, have they, an injury. They, yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. Well, the Steelers. I mean, traditionally, at least the last few years, they they mostly they go eleven personnel. But I mean, with both of these talents now, maybe they start doing running more twelve personnel. I mean, yeah. Well, look at the Ravens. They run three tight ends all the time. Yeah, and definitely. We'll probably they probably will do a lot of like two tight end packages and whatnot. But you know, I think they're going to be a lot. Like Ben likes to spread it out, so I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of spread a lot of spread offense this year too as well. So it's going to be tough. I just don't know. I, I mean, I guess I would agree. Ebron probably will be the starting tight end, but I think we need to get production out of both those guys because they're both you know high priced free agents and McDonald, you know, he hasn't done nothing since he's been here. So I want to see him have do have some production and Ebron, he's the new guy. And, you know, I want to see some production out of him too. Yeah, I definitely agree. Interesting. You put them together though. Is that just because you couldn't, you couldn't figure out where, where they sit on the depth chart? Is that why? Cause I, 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 yeah, I had Ebron a lot higher than McDonald. I think McDonald, we, we know that we don't, you know, the Steelers can survive without him. Whereas, I think they desperately need this injection of a red zone target, whether that comes from Claypool or, or from Ebron. So I had Ebron a lot higher on my list. I just didn't know really, really where to put them. I think they're both. I mean, I think they're both going to be parts of this offense. I think the plan is to get them both involved. Like he like, uh, I don't know who's that Steve or the one the, the Amer- he basically said, you know, I think they will do two tight end sets and trying to get both these guys involved. So, you know, that's when Donald basically was brought in because he was known as a receiving tight end and he just, he's been hurt all the time. So, you know, I just didn't, I just, you know, there were some guys I left off this list because like Mason Rudolph, I kind of wanted to put on this list, but you know, I left him off the list, but you know, if Ben goes down, Mason's going to have to step up because the front office has addressed this over and over and over again, that Mason's going to be the backup. A lot of fans are upset about that saying, well, they don't believe in Mason. We need to get a backup quarterback. A lot of fans were saying we should have signed Cam Newton. We should have signed Jameis Winston, and we didn't. For some, whatever reason, they have full confidence. I think a lot of it has to do with economics more than anything. Is they're, they're confident, their quote-unquote confidence in Mason Rudolph. Yeah, well, I was I was shouting big time for the Steelers to get Cam, but Rich, Rich kind of put me in my place and said, look, we don't need the, the distraction of Cam in as being a backup quarterback. I can see the sense of that. He is a, he he would have been a distraction. And it turns out that in fact it, uh, Cam said he 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 would have, you know, he he absolutely wanted to be the starting quarterback and he wasn't going to accept backup a position. He was just going to hold out and wait until he was guaranteed that. So uh Rich was right in the end. But um so I I don't know. Maybe they did maybe they did talk to Cam and I don't know. Who knows? But like you say, I think if if Ben goes down then Mason goes shoots flying up to the top of this list because whoever's quarterback is 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 right up at the top of this list, like you say. Who you got next anyway? Who you got next? Uh 15. Now see this see I didn't know who to put cuz like this is a big question mark to me coming into this season is the right tackle position because um we don't know who's the, the Tomlin like had a press conference this was probably like a few weeks ago now. He basically said there's going to be an open competition between Zach Banner and Chooks, but obviously we need another the tackle to protect Ben on the other side. And, you know, I put Banner there because I believe Banner is going to start at that right tackle position. That's my opinion. Who knows? Chooks might get that spot. But I think this offensive line is key to protect Ben. And this run game, the run game was terrible last year. We need to get back to – we need to get have a 
good run game. We need to have, be balanced offensively. And, you know, one of the, this is a question mark, but neither of these guys have really had any, like, starts in the NFL. Banner Chooks has been hurt basically since he's been drafted, and Banner really hasn't, hasn't really have a ton of NFL experience as a starter. So I have him as a starter at right tackle, so he's got to step up in that role. And yeah, this is the thing back. for me. I mean, I, I think that when they've said that, I, can't, I wonder if they're kind of – that's the goal, to get Banner or Chucks – Possibly Banner, like you say, because he, he grades out better in the run game at that right tackle spot. But again, without the preseason, I just I wouldn't be surprised if we see Filer, who who did pretty well at right tackle, right? He was one of the better actual better players on the line last year. So you get Filer at right tackle and you put Wisniewski in at left guard. That's you know that for 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 the first game of the season, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what we see. Just just a bit of solid you know players with experience out there. I, I, See, I listened surprised. to your podcast and I heard you say that last time. See, I felt the same way. I felt we went out and signed him, Wojnowski, to be that left guard to replace Ramon Foster. I thought he was going to be the starting right guard, but I did hear a press conference from Tomlin, and he basically said that Filer is moving to that left guard position. So, yeah, I've heard that you know. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. And and Wojnowski also it plays some center as well, so he's he's kind of. A replacement for um, uh, the guy we lost. I can't remember his name. The the backup center we had before. Yeah, I forget his name too. But yeah. how quickly, how quickly, how quickly we forget. Well, who was it? What was his name? Come on, someone Penny? knows it. You talking about Penny? No. Anyway, let's move on. We've forgotten. <laughs> don't do <laughs> this to us, Gav. Don't don't make well, us yeah, talk yeah, about that, backup that's like centers. Another reason, Wojnowski. He's kind of like he's going to be a guy because Tomlin basically said he, the filers left guard and there's an open competition for right tackle. So I think Wojnowski say if Pouncey gets hurt or the Castro gets hurt. That's why I have the Castro down at 21 because I feel the Castro is going to have a good season no matter what. And then say, if he does get hurt compared to like a Minka or a Devin Bush, you have a Wojnowski who could step up and, you know, he's proven that he can play that position at a, you know, average to above average level. And, you know, Pouncey, too, if he gets hurt, you know, we have a replacement. Like, inside linebacker, outside linebacker, safety, I don't really feel that we have a replacement to fill those shoes. So, yeah. But did you, at, did 16, you... I have, no, at 16, I have Nelson. I think, you know, the secondary was pretty much cornerstone to this defense last year. Nelson's definitely a great man-to-man coverage cornerback, which shut down last year. So, I fully expect him to have a shutdown season. That's why I don't really have him so high, but he's still a big part of this defense, and you know that's why I have I gotta have him on my list at number sixteen. Okay, who go next? Filer at seventeen. He's gonna have to step up and replace Ramon Foster and be that guy at eighteen. I don't know if you guys will agree with this, but I have uh, Terrell Edmonds at number eighteen because he gets a lot of hate. But I think he was very uh, crucial in the run game. He had a ton of tackles last year. He's coming into his third year. He was a first overall pick. So, you know, he's got to live up to that first overall pick uh, level. He's got to get better in coverage. He's good in the run game. And uh, he's got to get better. So and, and safety is the position of, of that we lack depth. So I had to put uh, Terrell Edmonds on my list. Mm-hmm. He feels like a little bit of the forgotten man, doesn't he? I mean... He he does definitely show up on the stat sheet, but he's yet to make any real proper splash splash plays. And ho- hopefully yeah. that's what we're going to see from him. That that kind of starting to read and react a bit better, and uh, not not just do the dirty work, but do do some highlight real stuff. That's that's what I want to see from him. 
Yeah, I've seen some stat. Basically, they said that Terrell Edmonds, like the quarterback ratings against Terrell Edmonds was like basically astronomical. But I think, you know, he's good in the run game. He's just got to he's got to get better in coverage. And he's still young. And, you know, I'm not going to ready to give up on him because, you know, he's still young and he can still develop and he does help out in a run game. He's good at making tackles. And, you know, in today's league, a lot of these running backs are fast and they're trying to get the edge. And that's where, you know, Edmonds comes in to cut off those edges to cut down and stop the run game. So I have him at 18. That might be a little bit too high, but I put him at 18. All right, go ahead. Who you go next? Uh, Boswell, obviously. I got You got to have your kicker yeah, there. I put Boswell teams. at 19. Because, uh, you know, we missed the playoffs uh, two years ago because of Boswell and, and missing so many field goals. He was good last year, so – what, what Boswell are we going to get? Are we going to get the good Boswell or are we going to get the bad Boswell? Because fourth quarter, three seconds to go on a clock, down one. It's on Boswell to win the game. So Yeah, this I is my theory him. about about him, though, about kickers in general. You've got to go through a rough patch, right? If, if, you, if you, you can kick when things are going well, it, that's easy. You've got to go through uh, – what's the saying? Uh, smooth smooth seas don't make smooth sailors, right? So he, he's, he's faced that adversity. He's, he's People saying he should be cut. You know, he's had booed, all that, and he's come through it, and he's proved that he can bounce back. So now now I've got 100% faith behind Boswell. I, I, I think now he's he's had the yips, you know. He's he's had that, that, that gut-wrenching feeling in his stomach. He can live with that. He can accept it, and now he can just get on and focus on, on kicking. So I, I'm behind Boswell. Yeah, I think, you know, I think he'll be all right, but I think you still got to put him on the list because kickers can win you the game and kickers are usually there. They're some of the highest scoring, like in fantasy football, they're some of the high, they put up some of the most points in fantasy football. So don't get me wrong. He, he was number eight on my list. He was high on my list. He, you know, he, yeah. he absolutely has to have a strong season. Don't get me wrong, but I'm saying I, 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 I believe in Boswell. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I believe in him too. I believe in him too. So uh, 20, I got uh, Deontay Johnson. Thank you. Obviously, he's the second wide receiver. Our receiving came lack last year. I mean, you could blame it on a quarterback, but there was other receivers in the league that didn't have great quarterback play. Tyler Boyd from Cincinnati didn't have a great quarterback, and he had over a thousand yards last year. And uh, you know, we didn't have one receiver with over a thousand yards. I feel Deontay Johnson can step up and be good. He had a good rookie campaign, but he he's got to get better. Juju's got to get better. Washington's got to get better. Hopefully, Claypool can make an impact. We got to have some impact players on this offense. This offense was one of the worst in the league last year, so you got to put a playmaker in Johnson. I put him at number twenty. I I, I want him. I, we expect him to have a big season coming up this year, but you know he's happy. He has to be that second wide receiver. So that's why I got him on my list at twenty. That's where I got him. Where'd you guys have Johnson? Do you have Johnson on your list or? Yeah, I did. I put him in uh, eleven actually. I thought it was a, it would be a big season for him. I think uh, I think you know I I think he could actually end up being the number one uh, ahead of Juju and I think we could like you say we could see you just let let Juju go and and Johnson becomes the real skill player on this on this offense. But we need to see it second season. I think that's honestly the plan. I think we got Johnson and we got Claypool, and then after this season, no matter what happens, like those beat writers said, because the, the the money is just wide receiver. The money is just not there. We have too many other positions in need, and we we went and got Claypool. Johnson had his breakout year, so I think it's going to be Johnson at the number one, and then, and then we got Claypool, and then you got what? Then you you'll have James Washington in the slot. 
Yeah, so I mean, I you look at the stats. It was only only Washington and Johnson who. I mean, Johnson was his first year, but Washington's that those two were the only ones who had decent production numbers. Everyone else was down on the offense. So, um, and that was because yeah. of the quarterback struggles. So, you know, you hope with with Big Ben, there's a big bounce back, and we can see a lot of these figures, these stats go up. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I, I, I agree. Yeah, I I, I, it, I, sorry, I was just going to say, I had Johnson at fourteen. I totally agree. I think he's going to be uh, potential. I mean, he could he could really genuinely become the number one this season. I could totally see it. If, if Juju sort of has a down year or gets injured, we could see him really break out this season. Um, but yeah, sorry, Nick. So carry on. Where were you? Um, twenty-one. I got the Castro. Obviously, he's what he's probably considered our best offensive lineman. I think, you know, we're, we have good depth at that position. That's why I have him so low. But obviously, he still's, he's still got to be the Castro. He's still got to be that Pro Bowl caliber guard. And he's got to help out in the run game. He's got to tee off on these defensive linemen. He's got to open up holes. He's got to help protect Big Ben Roethlisberger. So, obviously, I got to have when he's getting paid a ton of money as well. He's one of the higher paid players on the team. So, I got to have the Castro on the list. I had him at 21. Did you guys have the Castro on your list? I had him at 21. I had, <laughs> I had him at 19, yeah. <clears throat> well, number 22, I got Tyson Alulu, Ali Alulu, however you say his name. Um, we lost uh, Hargrave. I have him so low because the nose tackle position, obviously, is it's only used like 30% of the time, they said last year, in the defense. But I think he's good. He's quality. He can step up into that role. But you know, he's not a starter. He well, he I mean, he did start for Stephon Tuit last year, basically after he went down. But you know, he's got he's he is the starter. He's Tomlin named him as a starter at the nose tackle position. So I feel you know he's got to be. This defense is the most important thing for the Steelers more than anything, in my opinion. So Tyson Alilu is going to have to step up and fill that role. Twenty three. I had Vince Williams because. If Devin Bush goes down, Vince Williams is the guy, and obviously I think he's still going to get uh, reps with the defense. If uh, opposing offenses come out in like heavy packages, like two tight ends, three tight ends, you know, running type, this is where Vince Williams excels, in my opinion. He lacks in the coverage ability, but in like these he- against heavy offensive packages, Vince Williams is a good, good run stuffer and a good run stopper. So I have him at twenty three. 24, I think none of you guys probably had him on your list. I don't know. Let me know if you had him on your list. But I'm high on this guy. Um, He came out of Kentucky, SEC. He led the SEC in rushing. The SEC is pretty much considered the best college football conference in the nation. And, um, you know, he led the SEC in rushing. It's a very defensive-minded conference. Benny Snell led in our run game, suffered poorly last year. The Baltimore Ravens had three guys that ran more than any Steelers running back on the roster. Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, and Gus Edwards all had more yards than any back on the Steelers roster. So we need to get back to the run game. I'm high on Benny Snell. I think he can eventually develop into a feature back in the league. And I have Benny Snell at 24, and I have James Washington at 25. Wow. Okay. Dave is our resident Benny Snell fan. I don't know about the the feature I feature back there. I, I I see him as a I I love Benny Snell, but I see him very situational. I, I don't I don't know if he's going to be that sort of three down kind of guy. I, I, I don't. I I'm sort of torn on him because I really like the way he plays football. I I love as a, as a back. I love his sort of head down sort of power style, but I don't see him as that sort of receiving 
in yeah, the option. I, I can um, agree with that. Were you going to say bowling ball, Dave? Is that where you were going to go? <laughs> I, I was. I was tempted to go on the bowling ball, but <laughs> where does he come on the wiggle rankings, Dave? To Benny Snell. He doesn't have to wiggle, does he? He's going through guys too much. He doesn't have to wiggle. He doesn't need no to wiggle. wiggle. No wiggle. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, thanks so much, Nick, for um, for kind of uh, playing along with us. I mean, your your list um, until we get down to the kind of the last three or four picks, it kind of mirrors mine um, really closely, and I think Gavs was similar, right? So it seems like yeah. you've really nailed kind of my vision one, for what this was. Yeah, <laughs> the, the one player that you didn't give any, you didn't include that I had uh, uh, ten was uh, Wisniewski. Mm, but yeah. I guess we talked about that. We get you know that's yeah. the shuffling around of the line and and yeah. whatever issues. Yeah. But apart from that, the yeah. The reason I, I, I left him off, I'll say that is because Tomlin and now basically announced that Filer, I'm just going off of Tomlin saying because like I said I agree that that was it my opinion that I thought he was going to be that left guard, but Tomlin said that that, that the left guard spot is for uh for uh, Filer. So that's kind of why I left him and that's kind of yeah. why I left him off my list. But yeah, I couldn't really argue with anything you said there. I think you, you, uh, it was a good list. Thank you, sir. Um, Nick, uh, the last question before we get on to Dave's game that he's so kindly prepared for us, uh, and it might be the most important question that we've asked you all day, um, what are your opinions on, on Jordan Berry? <laughs> Jordan Berry, the punter? Yeah, I mean, he's not really... I don't really have too many opinions on him. I mean, he's a punter. He's not really... I mean, he's really not like his average. I guess last year coming into the season, they said his average wasn't that good. But I mean, special teams, defense, footballs, defense, offense, special teams. You gotta, you gotta have a punter. You know that can change the game. If you got a punter that can pin them down in in, in the ten yard line, the five yard line, that just field position is is big. It's key. It's 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 a thing that gets overlooked. And obviously, I probably think we all did. Anybody have Jordan Barry on their top <laughs> Well, no. This well, is a, well, I put him at twenty-five because what, I don't know if you know or not, but this this is Simon's, you know, wheelhouse. This he he thinks the punter is the most underrated position in football. It's a massive tactical advantage, and that the Steelers are making a big mistake uh, keeping Barry on the roster. So I, I put him at twenty-five just to kind of annoy Simon. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, mean, I, know, Simon, I agree with that point. I agree with that point. It's just that's just one of those things, though. You know what I mean? It's not sexy. You know, like. Like I think Cam Hayward and Stephon Tour are underrated players on the defense because they don't do that, you know, they ain't putting up the big, you know, sack numbers or, you know, getting the touchdowns or whatever and getting them glory the glory stats are doing the dirty you know, I don't know if the punters dirty work, but you know, they're in there for like, you know, four, five, six snaps, however many, you know, in the game and you know, but it's definitely, you know, you got a good punter that can pin a guy or if you say you're pinned on your twenty and you got a guy that can boot the ball sixty yards to get you out of that tough spot if you can't get to go with nothing going on offense and you help your defense out a lot. So, you know, definitely underrated, definitely underrated piece yep. to the thing. And the same with uh, Johnson. You know, Johnson was a Pro Bowl caliber return man. So, you know what I mean? You, that's a guy that can – you don't even have to go on offense and Johnson can just go pew and take it to the house. And you don't even have to worry about going on offense because you got a guy on special teams that can just change the game in one play. Well, that's so, another thing that McFarlane can bring, right? He's got quite a good uh, returns uh, resume as well, right? So maybe there's a bit of a competition, or maybe there would have been a good competition if we had a preseason. I think maybe. I think maybe on kick on kick returns they might put uh, they might put McFarlane on there, and then punt returns. I think that's that's pretty much Johnson Johnson's job. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like you're a man after my own heart on the punting topic, Nick. You've nailed it. You've you've pretty much said exactly what I've been saying for about a year on this podcast so um i appreciate the backup on that um and on that note we'll we'll hand over to dave who has this game prepared for us 
Yeah, when we have a guest, I like to prepare a game. Um, now, before you get too excited, they're normally pretty ropey. They don't always go to plan. <laughs> um, Gav, Gav normally derails it on purpose for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they're the best ones. They're the most entertaining ones, aren't they, when we get totally derailed? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I, before we start, I assume you're all familiar with the shop IKEA. Are we all familiar with IKEA? I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Swedish furniture store. Um, But they have pretty interesting names for all their their items. And some of them, I'm unsure whether they're swear words or they're actual items. I don't know. So I've been doing some deep diving on Swedish swear words. And it turns out the Swedish don't know how to swear at each other. They're all sort of using very old-fashioned words that don't really... They're not really offensive, to be honest. They're very PG, which you'll be pleased to hear, Gav. Um, so if you'll indulge me, I'll, I'll read out. I've got a list of 10 words here. Some of them are Ikea items. Some of them are Swedish swear words. Okay. Can you spot the Swedish swear word? <laughs> I, I couldn't find an, I couldn't, I couldn't find a witty pun for this cause I can't rhyme anything with Ikea. Can anyone help me with this? Swear uh, or Ikea? The word beer rhymes with Ikea, Dave. Yeah, but we did beers last week. <laughs> we, we did do beers last week, yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of oh, yeah. words around with beer, well, but, but... I'm uh, a little bit more organised. Uh, I'm a little bit more organised this time in that I'll go to each of you individually so okay. that we can get your... We can see you're working on this. Okay, okay. All right. Okay. So do, do bear in mind, the Swedish, as I say, the Swedish don't know how to swear and things don't translate translate that well from the Swedish. Are they all quite clean cut? Um, Is that what you're saying? They're, they're prudes? Yeah, they're all sort of... They, they sort of separate into categories of, like, fecal and... Religious, generally. So, Fecal and religious. Those, two, those are two categories you never want to be. I mean, what, what, <laughs> what are you categorizing? <laughs> well, there's, there's one like well, I won't even attempt to read it out because I don't want to feed, offend any Swedish listeners. But one translates to if you translate it rich, literally, it, it translates to now you're really shit in the blue cupboard. So, <laughs> so, so that's like that's a kind Swedish of a mix. Of, that's kind of a mix of IKEA and swearing, right? Because it's in a blue cupboard. Yeah, exactly. I'm looking forward to your uh, pronunciation of the Swedish. Um, <laughs> in case there's any Swedish listeners, I'm not even going to attempt it. Um, but are we ready to go? Yeah, okay, let's get yeah, the show on the road. So the first one is Tusan. That's a swear word, man. Who are you going to with this? Who are you going to with this? Yeah, we'll start with you, Gav, since you started. Okay, that, that, that sounds like a swear word. <laughs> okay, so we'll go to, go to Nick next. Yeah. I don't know. I'll say that's an IKEA item. Okay, Rich, any ideas? I'm gonna go with IKEA. And Sai. Can I just get it repeated one more time? Tucson. 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 Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna. It's, it's, a, it's a, a town in uh, Arizona that my cousin lives in. It's so. it's <laughs> a, it's a whole country in the world of the Witcher games. Um, I'm gonna yeah. go with <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, IKEA furniture. So Gav is the lone ranger in this. It's it's a swear word. Oh. It can mean it can mean either shoot hell or devil. All right. There you go. Okay. Uh, so the next one is fan. Fan. F A N fan. Say I'm gonna say that's a I'm gonna say that's a swear word. Okay. That sounds yeah, like gonna... a. 
that's, it sounds like a setup if I've ever heard it. I'm going to go swear word. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. going to swear word. No, I'm going to go, that is an Ikea item and it's a fan. So you, <laughs> you just dropped a bollock there, Si. It's, it's for swear word. Oh, no. It's, it's, it's the F word. Ah, fan you. Yeah. I'm, okay. trying, to be, I'm trying to be too clever. You're, well, you're trying to you're trying to outthink me here. So th- this next one is Blaska. I guess I'll say that's that's like uh, Blaska. That's like a I don't know, like a cat cow. I don't know. I'll say a furniture. <laughs> that's definitely furniture. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I reckon that's like a couch, like a low couch, maybe a sofa bed. <laughs> I'll say same. IKEA. You're all right, but it's it's kind of. It's kind of Steelers based. It's a laundry basket. Ah. <laughs> nice. So a reference to one. a laundry Jones. Yeah, go on. Next one is Malm. Malm. See, that's a, that. That's like a. That's like a price furniture. Okay. Say, I'm else? sorry. Say the word one more time. Malm, or Malm. <laughs> M A L M. I'll say swear word. Gav? No, you go first, say. No, you go first. No, no, you go first. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've been I've 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 presented I've shown my cards a few times here. Furniture. I know this is Yeah, I know it's furniture as well. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen this malm. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've screwed those things into my Is it a bedside cabinet? it's, it's for sofa. I've, I've slept on many oh, a Malm in oh, my okay. day. It's a range, right? You can get Malm yeah. shelves, you can get Malm cupboards. Yeah, there's a lot of Malm yeah. stuff knocking around. Yeah, yeah. So, what are we on to next? So, next I'm up is 10 for Hel- 10 at the moment. Though. Oh, dear. You're doing well there, Gav. I'm proud yeah. of you. The next one is Helveta. I'll say that's like a fridger. I'll say that's like a refrigerator. <laughs> and I'll, and I'll say furniture. Can you show you work in here? <laughs> Uh, isn't that a font? Like, yeah, how it, it might yeah. well be. Uh, so I'm going to go with uh, furniture again. Me too. I'll go furniture. Mm. <laughs> I'll go swear. I'll go swear word. Rich is lone ranger in it here. Uh-huh. It means hell. Oh, Just hell. Again with the religious thing. They all they love religious swear words. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, next we'll go with Nippon. Oh man, that's got to be a swear word. That's what I'll say, swear word. I think it has something to do with female body parts or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like how Nick gives what us what he say. thinks it is each time. <laughs> that that's perfect. Um, no, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go furniture on on Nippon. Okay, Rich. Mm. Um, I'll go furniture. It is furniture. Well, it's kind of furniture. It's in the IKEA range. It's a plant pot. Oh man! If you want a nip on, get get a plant pot. Um, no. Uh, I'm. This one has lots of dots on the letters, so I don't have a clue how you're supposed to change the letter. You know, like in German, you're supposed to change the like an, letter. Like an umlaut. Yeah, that kind of thing. So I don't know how it changes the pronunciation. 
So again, any Swedish listeners, I'm very sorry. I'm just like completely. Don't worry, the Dave. I, I look at the metrics and I've never seen a Swedish listener, so it would be the no, first we, we time we've had some one. Hungarian. We've got some Hungarian. We have got the Hungarians. Stuff, yeah. We we don't have any <laughs> Swedish, so go ahead. You can butcher I'm, it. I'm glad I didn't choose Hungarian then. Um, but <laughs> Ruvhal. Oh, say that um, again. Ruvhal, spelled R O with the two dots, V H A with the two dots, L. So I don't know how it changes the letters, but Ruth Hal is my best guess. Hmm. I'm, I'm going to go again. Uh, swear word, female body part. <laughs> I'm going to say swear word, something to do with, I don't know, probably the devil. It seems like that's the theme a lot of it. It's cold up there. Those dudes, they need uh, some, some help. I'm going to go, uh, it's a coffee table. Okay, I'll, go, show you what... <laughs> I'll go swear word. <laughs> it, it it is a swear word. It's oh. and I've got I suppose guys Gav gets an extra point in there because it's a well, it's a body part. It's, it's an asshole. <laughs> uh, I was going for a next door neighbour, but that's close. <laughs> okay, next we're near, we're near the end. Don't worry. Um... <laughs> Gav, Gav hasn't derailed you yet, so keep going. No, I'm winning. Time. so I don't need to. Um, uh, <laughs> Bliss. Bliss with a B. I'll, I'll go first. I reckon that's G I L S. Oh, Gliss. Okay. I reckon that's some kind of like kitchen glassware, like you know, one of those cupboards where you've got the glass door on the front and you can see your, your best tumblers. So I'll, I'll go with that furniture. I'll go with that too. I think I think it's one of those really gaudy like kids' wardrobes. That's what I'm going. Yeah, with. I'll, I'll go furniture. You're all right with it being like. Oh, it's, right. just a bo- it's just a box with the lid. It's nothing <laughs> exciting about that. One. <laughs> um, Yavla. Ooh. I'll good. go female. I'm gonna go female party body part again on that one. <laughs> I'm 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 sensing a mood from here. Um, <laughs> female body parts going on. <laughs> Nick's been in lockdown too long. Um. <laughs> I'm gonna go. It's a. It's like saying Jesus. Jesus. So, so swear word. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna go swear word. I think it's something animal related. Like you're calling someone a pig or something. So I go swear word. I'll go swear word. Yeah, you're all right. It's it means it means devil basically again, but um, <laughs> it could also mean damn, like like when you stub your toe, kind of damn. Like what a beaver. It makes. seems like when you look through the list of swear words, a lot of them just say damn. But it's it's so if you've just is it like uh, Eskimos and snow? They've got like three hundred and fifty ways of saying damn. Yeah, it's it's just like it is like a thousand words for devil and a thousand words for for damn. But if you said that word normally, it'd mean something completely else. You know, depends on the context. Hmm. It's a very strange language. Um, so final they, one. They also they also go a lot for like nude bathing, don't they? Those those dudes and dudesses. It seems to be big in their culture. Like at spas and jumping in lakes naked, right? Well, Gav, what, a... what did that have to do with anything we just talked about? <laughs> I don't know. I just got, you know, it's like devils. Maybe there's a lot of, you know, naughty thoughts about seeing your friends naked. I don't know. Maybe there's a lot of guilt. So going we've on. reached oh. the part where Gav's derailed the. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Just trying to get to why there's so much damnation going on up there. <laughs> We're getting insight into your um, Pornhub uh, searches. <laughs> um, <Thank God. laughs> 
the final one you please you will be pleased with, uh, <laughs> is uh, Ask Holman. Ask Holman. Ask Holman. I'll just say that's a furniture. I don't know. I'm gonna go furniture on that one. I don't know. I'll go swear word. Sounds too much like asshole. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go swear word. It's like something to do with someone's dad. Uh, swear word. It's an IKEA furniture. Oh. It's just tabling. Yeah. Outdoor table and chairs. Okay. But I'm, I'm gonna. If you talk amongst yourselves, I'll count up the scores. Well, I got five. I know one. that, and I don't think that's one. So. <laughs> I got I got seven and one. You, you you did float the idea of it being a special oh, a special star. Oh look at this! So Here he is. Seven seven point five. Sucking up star. to the teacher, trying to get an extra point. A seven oh. with a tie break. <laughs> we, we we have we have three with seven actually, so we do have a tie break. You told me I came last. And again, I didn't think it's far ahead. Yeah, you, you lost. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. Shocking. <laughs> Everyone well, else got seven. Well, I think Gab's won because he's. Uh... I've claimed it. He's it's nailed one. Yeah. He, he guessed oh. what it was. You said. Oh, well, we just... I have, I have off, a final of the games master. one, but it's not really. I, I don't know how I make it a tiebreaker. But well, why don't why don't you do a different round? Like we've uh, we've got to like you you say the swear word, and then we've got to come up with the word, and then the the person that's closest gets it or something. You know what I mean? So you say, damn or whatever, and then we've got to come up with our own Swedish word. I, I don't know, man. <laughs> Stop confusing Dave, Gav. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you just take the win and be happy with that? <laughs> I've got a double down. Okay, fine. You, you've done well in derailing. Well done. <laughs> Sorry, man. You think you've had your way. <laughs> okay. So how about this? I want to ask you guys a question. What does the... Because the, the, you said we can get in a little bit of politics. What does the UK feel about uh, Donald Trump? In, okay. In that, that, they have that's any a big question. About Donald Trump? Yeah, we we got big we got big feelings about here, and um, uh, yeah, that's a big question. We could probably do a whole sideshow on it. But uh, Simon, over to you. For me, um, <laughs> I don't feel comfortable being the guy who's presented like I'm to I'm the pre- UK's oh, opinion on, on this. Um, uh, uh, no, okay, sorry, Gav, go. On. No, I, 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 was, I was I was joking there because I just thought I'd throw you into the fire. But it's a tricky question. Um, obviously, it, it's always awkward talking about another country's politics, politics and politicians because you know it's we don't have a stake, we don't have like any any kind of say in the fight. Um, we, I, I personally, I think a lot of the people in the UK absolutely hate Donald Trump and and think that he's a madman and uh, uh, just insane. Um, I, I can. While I see that perhaps, you know, his his faculties seem to be, he seems to be struggling a little bit. I do think he gets attacked from all fronts. I think the Democrats have a lot to answer for, for their constant, you know, all the whole Mueller thing and all that. Just, you know, what were they doing? I, I think the Democratic candidates have been bad over the, you know, especially Clinton and, and Biden's past his best. Um, I, I can understand why a lot of people voted for Trump. Um, I think he was refreshing to a lot of people in a lot of ways that maybe the UK people don't necessarily see. I mean, we've had our own. I don't know how much you know, Nick. We've had our own version over here with this thing called Brexit, where we're leaving this political union. That Boris Johnson guy or something, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Lead lead dog in that. 
Exactly. Yeah, and, and we've got this other dude called Farage who kind of pushed that. That's that's a big argument, and it's quite divisive. Um, so I don't know. It's I think you know it's a tough one. I, I, no one wants to be disrespectful about another person's uh, political leader, and it, it's tough. I, I think I think he gets portrayed a lot worse than perhaps. The, the, I mean, you're in an area where a lot of key a key votes for him. And, you know, it, 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 it sh- we shouldn't be saying completely what we think because y- you're, you're probably better placed to talk about why why America voted for Trump and why they might well vote for him again. I, I think, so, not to cut you off, Nick, because I'm sure you've got way more important things to say about this than I do, but um, what I would say, Gav, is that I do not like Donald Trump, but I can also disconnect Donald Trump from the vo- the candidate from the voter, if that makes sense. Um, I understand why people voted for Donald Trump. Uh, what, I, what I don't, I don't, believe that Donald Trump is uh, capable of doing the job that he does, but I think he's surrounded by very smart people that got him into the position that he's in. Um, and I think that I completely understand why people got Donald Trump into the position he's in. I understand why people voted for Donald Trump. I understand, especially given that Hillary Clinton was the opposition. Um, I know people like to say that Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, which is you know technically true, but but that's not the way it works, right? It's, it's a completely different political system, so it's almost irrelevant to say that, but... Um, I, what I don't understand is the cult of personality around Donald Trump. I think a lot of that is blown up in the media a little bit. I mean, maybe you can tell me, Nick, whether that's true or not. But um, we see a lot of sort of very staunch Trump supporters. Um, I mean, is that is that as common in the US as we sort of perceive it to be? It depends what area you're in. I mean, you go down to the deep south, the dirty south, they ain't, Alabama, they ain't never going to not vote for Donald Trump. You know, Texas, they're never not going to vote for Donald Trump. Texas people right now are basically arguing and going into a frenzy saying we're, oh, the government's trying to take away our civil liberties, ordering us to wear a mask. This is unconstitutional, this and that, which is completely ridiculous to me. The government and in the Constitution declared a state of emergency and in the Constitution, the Tenth Amendment, there was like a Supreme Court ruling in the United States back in like the early 1900s. It basically gave the states to write the right to, you know, quarantine office uh, a region if they feel, you know, an infectious disease like this is going on. And in America, we have the most cases in the world, the most deaths in the world. And there's just there's these people and there's a lot of fake news and, and stuff that gets spread around on the Internet. There, You know, they're cracking down on Facebook now, you know, fact checks on Facebook, this and that. If you're sharing false information, I mean, there's a lot of that going on. I think there is a news outlet called Fox News that has pretty much like a cult following and they just believe everything they hear. And they kind of just tell one side of the story. They tell half truths kind of and spin stories in their own direction to get behind Donald Trump. And Donald Trump's main thing is they, they say that, you know, he, I'm going to drain the swamp. I'm going to drain the swamp. And it's nothing new. This is basically trickle down economics, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it fell under Reagan. It fell under Bush the first. It fell under Bush the second. It's felling under Donald Trump. It, giving these the, the richest people in the, in the United States is just not the answer to me. You need to have a progressive income tax and, and to build roads, to build bridges. The idea that like far right libertarians say that would you, you taxation theft we should have no taxation i think any civil society has to have some form of tax be it you know sell some kind of tax to to build roads bridges etc and this type of policy that the, the the right implements with these these huge tax breaks basically you know creates budget shortfalls 
and just creates debt in the country. Yet they preach how they want to balance the budget, yet their policies do not balance the budget whatsoever. But I agree on the other side of the right, the, the left, like Bernie Sanders, he's promising all this stuff. I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you free college. I'm going to give you free health care. I'm going to give you free this. I'm going to give you free that. It's never going to get passed. That's It will just be one big argument in the House and Senate. They'll go back and forth. And Bernie, he would just promise everything and deliver nothing, in my opinion. So I think Biden kind of plays a good middle ground. I think that's a problem. There's too much far left and too much far right in America. Nobody wants to meet in the middle and actually come to an agreement on what's best for the people of the United States. I think the, yeah. the other day that, um, that Bernie Sanders came out that Biden was a perfect candidate to, to win the election and then be manipulated over towards the Sanders kind of part of the, the doctrine. I mean, that that's terrifying, isn't it? I mean, you, you want a strong leader. You don't you know, you want someone to ring on their own merit and then and then and then bring their own prospectus in. I mean, that, that's terrifying that they, they think they can manipulate because he's an old man and he's weak and he's tired and he's done. Uh, that, that would scare me. And, that, and that, it feels like they've missed, the Democrats have missed an opportunity, really, to get a good candidate in. But I, I don't know who there is. I don't know. I would have liked John Kerry uh, to run for president. Uh, I think he would have been a good candidate. But that's here and there. He pretty much said he's not going to run. I think he would have been a good good candidate. I don't know if you guys ever heard of John Kerry, but I oh, think yeah. he's a good politician, a good American, served this country, fought his whole career, his whole resume, I think, is just he has a great resume for a politician. He was a secretary of state. He worked out that Iran deal with uh, with uh, with Iran, and Donald Trump shredded it up, and now, you know, there's all kinds of stuff going off in Iran. They're blowing up, blowing drones out of the air, blowing up tankers, accused of blowing up, like, tankers and different things, so the Middle East is just going crazy. I think John Kerry actually, you know, he was trying to bring somewhat of, you know, a peace plan to Israel and Palestine. I think he's very more intelligent when it comes to foreign policy and things like that than, say, Donald Trump. I think Donald Trump knows nothing about foreign policy. I think he knows nothing about, you know, the medical field. He might know a little bit about business, this and that. But and I think that's the main reason Donald Trump won, because there's a lot of middle ground Democrats who went like in my union and even in the far left, far left uh, the Democrats in my union, they, I'm, vo I'm voting for Donald Trump because trade deals, NAFTA, that was a bad trade deal for America. And so that was one of his key campaign notes was NAFTA and how he was going to overturn NAFTA and get these trade deals better for America. And that was like a big thing. And I think that turned a lot of middle ground Democrats to Trump. And then during that, all that stuff came out about Hillary and the DNC with the election and how she was trying to rig the election against Bernie Sanders. A lot of far left socialist, you know, Democrats said, well, well I'm not voting for Hillary. I'm going to write in Jill Stein or I'm going to write in Bernie <laughs> Sanders, which basically gave the vote to Donald Trump. So I think, you know, the key thing for the Democrats to take back control is we got to stay unified. We got to stay on a unified platform to defeat Donald Trump because I am I am the anti-Trump. Well, uh, it's interesting. I mean, uh, Pennsylvania voted Trump, right? So, <clears throat> yeah, what do you, it's a what swing do you, state. Pennsylvania is a big swing yeah, state. Yeah, it's important. So, what what do you feel from just your sort of circles? What you know, people there. How, how's the kind of groundswell at the moment? <clears throat> It's 50-50. It's 50-50. It's, it's, it's 50-50. I don't know how it's going to go. I, I think 
I don't think Donald Trump has a leg to stand on, but he has a cult following that's going to vote for him no matter what. I just the way the economy's going, the way he's handling this pandemic. I mean that that was his key campaign speech. All oh, his economy, the unemployment numbers are was the record number unemployment. Da da da. That's like that's his talking point that he's been saying for the past four years over and over and over and over and over again. And now he doesn't have that talking point anymore. So, you know, he doesn't have a leg to stand on. I mean, the way he handled immigration and different things in this country and the way he's dividing this country, I feel, with some of his rhetoric and some of the, the tweet storms he send out, sends out, I just don't feel he has a leg to stand on. But like I said, there's just he has that cult following in the South and even in Pennsylvania. I think Pennsylvania, we can get it. Ohio, he might be a by Democrats can get it, but you know, Texas, he's gonna take Texas. He probably will take Florida. I mean, Florida, that's another swing state. Will we take Florida? Will we not take Florida? I don't know. They have a lot of Republican Republican administration down there. I think the the governors are Republican in Florida. So I mean it's there's a lot of swing states. It's I don't know. I think I hope I hope the God Pennsylvania, you know, goes goes Biden though. I think he's Biden's getting a lot of backing from unions right now. I know the United States, I was part of the United States Steelworkers Union. I know they're backing him. I hope the Teamsters back him. I hope the United Mine Workers of America back him. So, you know, the working class, they got to stay and stick together and vote for Biden. And that's the main thing. The, the Democratic Party needs to stand firm. And I think that would be the best thing for the Democratic Party in America is to have more of a middle middle ground message and not keep going so far to the left. I think that would, you know, bring more middle middle ground voters to the Democratic Party instead of Donald Trump. A problem with a, a lot of Amer- American politics that we, we see is the, the divisiveness and the, yeah. and the kind of name calling and everything. And I, I think in, in our country, we've suffered from that with Brexit and, and people. For, I mean, I, I've lost friends over it. I, I've lost I've lost jobs over it because people voted a certain way. They know I voted another. And I just think we all need to be able to talk a bit more and just kind of see eye to eye and say, yeah, it's, it's fine to have a different opinion about things. We don't need to hate each other. Yeah. We don't need to call each other names. You know, I mean, I know there's a lot of people that I know that, that voted, voted for Brexit. They're really hoping that, that Trump that Trump wins and that's purely because they believe that Trump will give us the trade deal that, mm. that we want um, that we need to to survive this this Brexit situation and it, it, again it's just compounding the whole divisiveness again I mean you know let's just let's just America decide for itself and not and not have our own interests you know we'll, we'll deal with the situation as it arises yeah. Uh, I, I think it's interesting. Fa- thanks, Nick, for bringing that up. That's you know we, we we like to talk about a lot of things, but maybe you know we we possibly wouldn't have brought that up because we know that it's you know it's it's your topic. So I like to get different perspective. I like to get different. I'm not so much of a you know I don't really block people on Twitter. I get trolled. People talk trash. I'm not like a sensitive person. Like I, I actually I agree. I think that's another problem in America. There's a cancel culture on both sides. If you have a different opinion, you can't tell a certain joke or whatever. You get canceled. People get super sensitive, hypersensitivity. I think there's just too much of that. People are just too angry and too entrenched. I mean, I can't say I'm not entrenched in my ideals, but I'm I'm willing to you know listen to the other side. That's why I feel Biden is that middle ground. I feel he's actually willing. He can actually you know reach over to the other side and you know work it out. Try to work out some type of middle ground to work. You know get it actually get a deal done in Congress because that's the problem in Congress right now. They're going back and forth over a COVID bill. Democrats want this. Republicans want that. And, you know, 
I hear in your country, everybody's getting like a $1,200 stimulus check. And wow, getting it's, it's crazy, man. I mean, we've got, you know, we've got a fairly right-wing government and they've suddenly swung massively to the left and they're just paying out. Yeah, we've I've, gone through 10 years of austerity where they're cutting everything. They're cutting the wages of everybody. Suddenly this virus turns out we're in the middle of a pandemic. They're just bailing out cash like more, <laughs> more you know, they won an election on on a whole basis of not paying out cash. They've, they've like tripled the deficit. We've got 300 billion or something. We're now in debt because of this thing. I mean, it's, but, it's crazy what's yeah, happening. Yeah. Don't get too excited. They're going to turn on the heels pretty fast. It's all going to do a complete 180. Like well, that, that government money is rolling into my account, man. Every every month, it's there. I mean, it's, it coming to I never thought, I never <laughs> thought, I never thought a conservative government would do this. You know, incredible. <clears throat> right. Listen, before we go any further, uh, <laughs> I've appreciated all these points. I, 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 I'm happy to talk about this a little bit more off air, if that's okay with everyone, um, because I, I, I'm I'm hugely interested in it, and I have a lot of points to make. But also, I'm conscious they're probably taking another 30, 40 minutes. Um, and this podcast is approaching two hours, which would be our longest podcast we've ever done, believe it or not. Um, but no, Nick, I, lo- I love your insight. You've um, you've surprised me and, and you've brought some great um, sort of thoughts that, uh, you know, I, di- I didn't think we were going to come from this show. So, you know, I appreciate that. And your thoughts on the Steelers have been, been awesome as well. So, um, you know, thanks so much for, for coming on and indulging us and uh, being a part of it. And we'd love to have you back on sometime. Definitely. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Whoever was messaging me, who was it, Simon or who? It's Gavin. Gavin. It's me. It was Gavin. Yes, Gavin. Is that you? You're the one that was messaging me? Yes, me, yeah. All right. Well, yeah, we can keep talking, man. We can, you know, if we guys want to have another show, you know, definitely coming up towards the season. Or you guys have like a podcast every week or what? Yeah, we do it every week, yeah. So, yeah, man, I'll I'll be willing to come back on. I appreciate you guys. Uh, I'll share it on Twitter. I'll share it on my Facebook page. So you send me the message once you, you know, cut it up and upload it or whatever. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll help spread the word. And I appreciate cool. you guys having me on. And every, every one of our listeners to go and check out some of your content as well and see you see you battling with the Cleveland fans over there. <laughs> <laughs> and what's your what's your uh, Twitter uh, account, Nick? Uh, at Yen's Nation Sport. Perfect. So go follow Nick. Obviously, follow the show at UK Steelers Pod. Uh, follow me at Cy Wrote This. Follow Dave at This Is Dave Hart. And follow Gav at GM Boom Op. Rich is still hanging out there on Instagram at Stunt underscore Batman. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for sticking with us for so long and uh, have a great week. Right. See you later. Yeah. Have a good one, man. Thank you.